Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that war never changes. Yeah, it's still hell. But it does. <laughs> that's, a, that's a line from Fallout. Uh, it's been in, every, I think, every single uh, version of Fallout from 1 to New Vegas Four and then 76, but the truth of the matter is that war changes a lot, especially on the fringe paths, which is where we're going to be going. This episode is another fringe-worthy episode, and we're talking about what it's like to actually wage war on the fringe paths. Now, if you're a long-term listener, you know we talked about this before, way, way back when we talked about the battle for uh, Earth Prime Platform. Uh, which was the result of one of the adventures in my campaign where the uh, 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 the fringe pirates had basically drove their big tank-like vehicles onto the path uh, onto the, the prime material, blew away everybody who was there, and then proceeded to shell uh, Hatsumi base. And the people that were out on missions and weren't actually at Hatsumi base were the ones that had to find allies and then take back Earth Prime Portal. Since then, we have gone on and for the last, I don't know, two years, I've been running a campaign where the Coptics, way out on negative 121 through 125, have been trying to take over uh, the D&D world of Faerun and some other places, and they were trying to stop them from passing the uh, alternate platform to getting any closer to Earth Prime. That was their that was their mandate from Earth to do that. Uh, it was a black ops operation. They weren't supposed to be advertising the fact that they could be engaging in warfare since that's not the UN way. Okay, so it's against the uh, humanitarian code that uh, is part of what they signed up for when they signed on with IDET. But the fact is, is that they had to wage war, and so we're going to talk about some of the things they tried and what we recommend as far as what would be successful and what wouldn't be successful. Because, Jonathan, what's the number one issue with fighting on the fringe pass? Oh, well, amongst the fact that, um, well, you can't bring nukes. Right. Or anything nuclear-powered. Um, if you have a stray bullet or any kind of stray attack hit that portal, or anyone still coming through that portal, you're going to get fried. All right. Well, the hitting the portal and having it respond by a, a retributive strike from the system itself, that was in the, uh, in the 1992 and earlier editions. It seemed like if anybody hit these things, they would respond with an attack against them. As a, uh, as a response to an aggressive move. When we did the D20 edition, uh, a lot of people that were talking about it said, hey, does it make any sense for a system that can't even be damaged by anything we can bring against it, be afraid of being hit by a stray bullet, even if it was intentional? And we, and, uh, we all thought about it and said, no, that doesn't make sense. So in, the 19, so in the D20 edition, we changed that rule and we said, no, it's only if somebody is coming through the, the, the system, making a transit, either from a world or from a, uh, you know, uh, you know, from a pathway to a, a platform or vice versa, that this happens. The system is protecting the person who is transiting, not itself. And so that was the big change that we made. That brings this whole question, the second part, which was, is someone who's coming through his hit? Well, we've gone on to even make it, uh, there's some tricks that are involved with that. 
And uh, Trav, what what are the tricks involved with the uh, 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 leveraging the portal protection of travelers in a warfare situation? Okay, um, let's say you are going through from a platform to a world, and you use, I mean, you could use a rope, or you could use, you know, the wires like they use in wire-foo-based movies, like The Matrix and Iron Monkey and all that. So it's barely seen, but because that wire or rope is attached to you, you are still considered in transit. So you could be, let's say you have a thousand feet of this wire and it's attached back to, let's say, somebody holding it on the platform. You are still considered in transit. Therefore, even if you're standing out there, you know, a thousand feet from the portal, exploring the world, you know, what, what's the term you use? Uh, looking for low-hanging fruit and spectacle. You're going to activate that defense system, even though you're not physically transitioning through the portal, that rope is caught in the interface and you're attached to that rope. So that D100 burst of energy is still going to attack whoever shot at you. And from what I understand, there's no distance. So let's say, just an example, let's say somebody is set up in a sniper position, anyone coming through the portal, and they hit you from, oh, 2,000 feet. They're like, you know, army-level sniper. They're going to get fried because you have that wire going back through the portal and therefore are considered in transit. So, I, yeah, we discussed this earlier and just I was wincing going, oh, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, man. <laughs> just... Now, so if both sides know about this, and, and as, I, as I put it, let's say one person was on the platform and someone's coming through a portal trying to attack them using this, this technique, what's, you know, if everyone's aware of this, what, sh what, should be what should go down? How should, you know, how should you, it be dealt with, this, this situation? If I know that this is a tactic my enemy could be using, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start using non-lethal attacks, uh, sleep gas, knockout uh, stuff to try and capture the people coming through first. Because that's stuff I can do from a range and I don't have to get close. But if I do have to get close, I'm going to have a big you know, sword or a pair of scissors. And what are you going to do with that? Uh, well, try and approach from behind and cut whatever cord that, that they're trailing. Okay, so you're going to go and try to make sure there is no cord there, and if it is, you're going to eliminate it. Okay, are you going to take advantage of this as well? Oh, yeah. How are you going to do it? I'll probably have a big spool of wire and just hop out of the hop through the portal and hop back out. If, if, if I'm on, like, say, if I'm on... You don't have to, see? That's the thing. Is, is it, Let's say you're hiding underneath the portal. Okay, because we know the ramp goes up eight feet into the portal. And so you're down there hiding and they come out. So you basically run out and you toss the end of a loop of, of, of uh, wire through that portal. It's going to start feeding that through the other side. You're now considered in transit. You go over, chop their wire, basically severing them from the system. Now the system might interpret that as being an attack. So that might not be a smart thing to do, but if you know if it isn't, then um, and, and that's kind of where the GM comes into play. Is you know uh, I would say that it would still do it. You throw it through, and then you basically come over to him, and he think you you know he thinks that you're uh, just attacking him. So and he says, "Aha! You attack me, and I'll kill you." And he does it takes a swing at you with something, or he shoots a gun at you, or something, thinking that he's protected. You're not, but in fact is you are. And then the system reciprocates against him because you know you're, that protection does not keep you from being reciprocated against. The system. If you attack somebody else who's also in transit, the system will respond against you. And that's a question I had. So it, it comes against these kind of things where you have to say, how's the system going to interpret this situation? Because this isn't a dumb system. Yeah. This, this is semi, 
semi-sentient, we suspect at the least? I mean, it operates on a pico second scale. So it's like if you had all the time in the world to evaluate everything, you know, like those ones where they basically take a picture and people are in the middle of the air and things are bullets are now stopped in flight and you could walk around and examine every angle and things like that and said, okay, this is what's going on. That's the kind of intelligence that, you know, and uh, information that the system has to work with. So at that point, it then based on its programming, it will make decisions as to what it should do or not. Yeah. But it's not actually self-aware. I knew it wasn't fully, fully self-aware. Is this blast protect you from the attack or is it just a retaliatory strike? It's a retaliatory strike. So I still hit them. I could still de- kill someone coming through a portal, but I will get punished for doing so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't stop. Well, it keeps you from doing it again. Right. Well, yeah, but uh, 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 assuming that people know and word of this spreads, that yeah, it's a, to deter people from attacking tran- in people in transit, not to just punish that one person. Assuming that the word would spread. Right. Right, and it doesn't, like, attack your buddy, too. You know, it doesn't say, well, you're on, everybody on that side is bad now, so I'm now going to attack you, you know. It's not like a video game where you shoot one ship and all the other ships suddenly turn red and start attacking you. (laughs) I would probably, honestly, probably wouldn't have the wire trick even work in my game because I I would think, unless it was a sizable mass that, was connected to you not like a thin wire but like something sizable like you're carrying a log or something like that i would probably have the assistant determine that well this isn't important to your life this this is literally just you're carrying some trash with you behind you yeah you can cut that i don't care that's probably what i would do it it's saying that yeah it's kind of erasing this whole interesting concept and i do think it's interesting but yeah does does the system is it trying to protect your life or is it protecting you and your property because that wires your property is connected to you right you know possession is nine tenths of the law and the the question is will you think that the system is intelligent enough to be able to determine how valuable that property really is to you yeah, it's it's where it comes down, but yeah, I it, ooh, there's so many so many evil things you can do with that. There, uh, okay. So, uh, what are some other techniques you can use? All right, no ideas. Okay, fire. Yeah, basically create a moat around the 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 uh, portal, and either fill it. With napalm or, you know, pump it in as needed, <laughs> okay, and light it up. Now, you create an environment that's that's hazardous, but it doesn't mean that you're, ne- but is the system going to treat that as an attack against anybody coming through? Maybe not. I, I basically didn't see it that way. I saw it as basically the system would say, well, there it is. It's just, you know. It's just it's it's just something that's not going on on the platform. It's not directed at anybody in particular, and, you know. And especially if you do it before they come through, if, for example, they do something, you know, like someone pokes their head through and and, and jumps through and jumps back, and you basically do that, okay? Because we know that you can lob stuff. You can't fire high velocity projectiles. That was a change Richard made. Uh, in the the last, uh, he claimed it was earlier. I personally am sure that he, it wasn't. It didn't used to be that way. But um, uh, you fi- uh, you you fire a high velocity projectile uh, through the the portal, and basically it just blops out the other side and rolls down the plat you know, down the the platform uh, uh, pathway. I mean, it's just it loses all. It is it, absorbed by the system. And if you throw uh, antimatter through the 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 system, just glow uh, the portal glows like crazy, you know. Which is, and I'm talking about the ring because the you, you, the black interface is not going to start grow, glowing. But okay, so the point is, is that you can't 
throw high velocity stuff, but you can throw low velocity stuff. People have thrown stuff through, you know, like backpacks and other things like that, and have run and have driven, you know, at high speeds through, you know, the portal lots of times, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and they don't like suddenly get stopped on the other side and have everything like scrunched together as a result. Like running into a brick wall. As long as it's below a, rel uh, a relatively low velocity, and I'll I'll place it around a a, a couple hundred miles an hour. Okay, uh, things will go right through, no problem. Okay, so we know we can throw stuff through, like you know bags of napalm or bags of uh, uh, or shells. You know, like explosive shells, grenades, uh, or um, uh, uh, acid, or poison gas, or any number of things. Okay, through the portal, they land, they break, they start doing their thing. You know, if you put like you know a, a container of uh, uh, of a metallic sodium, you know, uh, or uh, phosphorus, because I think that reacts with air. Um, or, or, or one, you know, some of those metallic things, they're very reactive with air. And so basically it busts open, it gets exposed to air, lights up the napalm. The reason I'm choosing napalm, by the way, is because it burns at about 1300 degrees. And in my game, that means that it melts. Well, it doesn't melt. It just, it, it evaporates to melon plastic. Okay. It's also above the melting point of glass and uh, it's definitely above the melting point of all metals, with the possible exception of tamellar steel. Because in my game, there's lots of people use tamellar plastic a lot, because I said that the queller can produce it, use it because it's biological. So therefore, it's plastic. You know, it's a bio, it's a car, you know, it's you know, bioplastic. Anyways, the point was is that, you know, so therefore it doesn't, it doesn't melt. It doesn't. Um, it you know it, it it just it just basically evaporates. It it goes from solid to gas with enough heat. You know so it sparkles away if you will. Uh, so and and napalm is hot enough to destroy that. Napalm is also hot enough to destroy environmental suits unless they're specifically designed for that temperature. And the only thing I can imagine that might be able to actually handle that would be something that's made out of like spun uh, spun glass, you know, like a, 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 a very specialized, uh, you know, well, and even then, that's a really high temperature. It might not, still might not be able to handle it. But the point is, is that napalm is great. So you basically, you throw, you put, you basically are splashing napalm, lit napalm, okay, from projectors onto the platform, uh, onto the ramp, and the fridge really walk through. And they get hit with this stuff, okay? Uh, it's going to be a problem. It's, they're going to have a big problem. Um, now, theoretically, they could drive through it. They'll last a while, but that's where you use the moat that I talked about. You know, build it full of those uh, uh, concrete uh, uh, road dividers, you know, that they, that they put together. And then just, you know, and, and just, you know, make it so it's supposed to be right. So they go down and they run into those and those are things are heavy and they're, they, don't, they don't move easily. And so therefore, you know, even unless you're literally driving a tank, uh, you might be able to break through at that point, but you've still got some napalm burning all around you, which will heat that tank up pretty fast. So it's uh, it's a uh, we found it as a as a very effective tactic. But what we did, what what the the bad guys did in against the age of uh, the explorers was once they started firing the napalm, they didn't just fire at the fringe path, uh, the, the fridge portal. Uh, well, I'm sorry. They didn't just fire at the platform and the ramp up to the fringe portal. They fired it through the fringe portal. because They just had to have some guy with his hand on the, the napalm projector because he's fringe-worthy, and all the flaming napalm coming out of it goes right through the portal and just starts pooling everywhere on the other side. Ooh. And they're just like, wow. What do we do now? And again, as, I guess as long as, as someone wasn't actively transiting, yeah, you could easily do that. 
Well, they don't even have to be. I mean, the thing is, is that even if they're not transiting, if you know that they're coming through, you know, as long as you go over, uh, if you can stop, if you can basically cut those wires or whatever, then, you know, you can start pouring napalm, throwing bombs, doing whatever, because you know they're right on the other side. And unless they, if they, if they haven't run into this before, they, these guys had no prep for this. They were like ready to throw napalm on their own through and stuff like that. They were all ready for that. And instead, they just got this stuff hosed at them through the portal and just filled their entire ready area, all their their vehicles and all their bombs and all the equipment they had ready to go is now in napalm. Flaming 1300 degree napalm. It was messy. If you chop the wire, the, uh, and the French system says, oh, well, you're attacking them because you're attacking the wire, what do you do? My next question is going to be, how firmly is that wire attached to the individual? Well, you assume that it's, prob- it's probably a- attached in to some kind of a thing where he could take it off easily, but it's, gonna, it's not going to accidentally come loose. Well, that's what I'm saying. If it's, if it's something that I could pull on and jerk around, well, that's a, you know, leverage point. I could pick that up and swing them around if I'm strong enough. Or use it to, to, to bind their movement, so to speak. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like use, use it to just sort of tie them up, yeah. Okay, one word. Guillotine, or guillotine. Ooh. You build a guillotine on either side oh, yeah. of, the, of the portal. This thing's only twenty-five foot wide or fifty foot high. High if it's if it's the roadway one, and you could easily build a structure on either side that doesn't interfere with the rotating of the uh, of the portal, and they walk far enough out that you're pretty sure that it's not. If like I say, if it's a person, or even if it's a vehicle, if it's a vehicle, you figure they're probably going to come through pretty fast. You know, someone's going to run through an attack. They're not. They, you know, if they're going to walk through, step, look, come back, then but what you do is you put a pressure plate of some kind, well, let's say a couple feet out, okay, just so in case they walk through and they just want to stand there, you know, then, you know, you, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to trigger, okay, but uh, enough far that they come through, and then it's, it's not trying to hit them. It's not trying to hurt them. Its whole purpose is to stop, is to destroy any like cables or things like that. So you have these really big, heavy guillotine blades that come whipping down. And I mean, unless you're really going to say that the system is like long-term smart about this, is and saying, well, you built this guillotine and it came down and hit that, so therefore you're going to get. I'm going to attack you for that. It's basically just going to say it's just it's just there. And it goes down, it does it, it did what it did, and no harm, no foul. It's just an environmental hazard. Right, it's just an environmental hazard, just like anything else. Just like the rate of frogs, you know, that, that can happen. Can you imagine coming through a portal with the, strength, with the wire behind you, and there's fringe weather, and there's a rain of frogs? What's the system going to do? Is there suddenly going to be, like, fried frogs everywhere as bolts start firing off from all the portals trying to lance into the frogs teaching teaching the fringe weather system as an attacker that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) and dinner would and dinner would be supplied i mean yeah be a free meal yeah well you should do it at least once (laughs) just to go oh my gosh um but yeah, okay, so yeah, if you that's one way of doing it. And then of course you can start and once you know you've done this, then you could go start doing other things. And see, each of these attacks are still individual. Like one guy goes and fires something after that. He's this t- he's he's the guinea pig. You know, did it did it work? Are the are the, are the wires cut? I didn't get hit. Or if I got hit, I immediately go and run run through another portal. And escape off the platform, and the and the it doesn't keep chasing you down the fringe pass. Once you leave the the area, the portal, the the roadway, or the platform, or whatever, it doesn't fall. It, you know, it doesn't continue to reciprocate. Right. Basically, there's a hard right. line. You're on the on the platform. You get to a world. It doesn't attack you. If you're on the world, you get to the platform. Vice versa. It doesn't attack you. 
Well, remember, because the platforms, the pathways, and the worlds are all technically separate dimensions. Yeah. The, the, the computer in the, the fringe system is just going to see, okay, the threat to this particular interstice is gone. Therefore, we don't, you know, and it's not going to reactivate. Let's say the guy comes back through. It's not going to fire up again. If this guy comes back like an hour later, it's, oh, you're back. No, it's not going to do that. Yeah. But what you could do is that you could jump through, you can attack somebody and jump through the portal and maybe you won't get hit. And then you jump back and just reset. You can attack a man, jump back through the portal. If you're fast enough, you can actually yeah. get some good licks in before. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It just depends on, you know, if you're like a speed demon, you have some kind of special ability to do that, or you're just really good at it, then uh, you could actually uh, game the system. And the, by the system, oh. I mean the fringe system to let you actually defeat this plan. Of course, I think if you went through the, the system and, and again, you're, if you're not dragging a wire, then uh, the, the, then the rest of their, their fellows who are on the other side may take a pot shot at you. It can get really messy on either side with this kind of craziness going on. But that's what warfare is like. It's crazy. It's all, all kinds of weird things. Mostly I would stay in the distance and just, you know, uh, do things to defeat, you know, try to defeat the wire system. And then after that, just pile on the damage as hard and fast as possible. Uh, whichever side you're on, either throwing it through the portal, you know. But your idea, uh, Jonathan, of using non-lethal weapons is fine. It's just that most people are going to be wearing body armor and they're going to be wearing environmental suits, you know. So unless you have some other methodology of, of non-lethal, I mean, I guess you could toss, you could, you could, you know, use a lot of ropes and stuff like that and grab people and make deadfalls and stuff that, that basically just yank them up in the air? It depends on the technology you have you, that you're working with. I'm, I'm sure, like, once you get exploring fairly well, you've probably found some, like, neural shock grenades that don't trip the system because they just, you know, they just make everyone in the area have a, have a nice little, you know, nap time. Yeah. And it's, you know, not gas-based or anything like that. It's literally, do you have a brain? Are you within 30 feet? Night, night. You know, but if you don't have that kind of high tech, then yeah, you can use ropes. You can use more brute force. As long well, usually, as, of course, with I, the brute I, force, you have to be careful. Yeah, nets. Well, the whole thing is, I've always seen it as that if you, if, if you are shooting at somebody transiting, if you walk up and punch the guy, the, I, didn't, I never thought that the portal would activate like that. I always yeah. thought that it was. It, it follows. It does follow. Yes. So let's say I try to. Okay, I have my wire. Another guy has his wire. And I try to put him in a sleeper hold to knock him out. Okay. I'm gonna get blasted. Well, I don't know. A sleeper hold is you know that might not be considered to be an attack because it's 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 a um, grappling kind of thing again it's, yeah. it depends on you the gm how you decide to interpret the system's desire to protect the travelers yeah see i always thought it just if, if you're transiting and a high speed projectile comes through like a bullet or a laser then it sets off that's it that's all i always thought that it was now if i sit there and try to you know i do a running tackle with a guy who has a wire to keep him from going back to the portal, I wouldn't think that that would set off the D100B. Well, in, in D20 Modern we, uh, Edition, we basically said any attack on someone who's transiting uh, is considered by the system to be an attack and it will be defended. Uh, so it, it, it just comes down to, you know, so even a grappling attack would still be an attack if they're still transiting. You know, like I said, if they uh, if they come through and someone grabs them or shoots them, at that point it's fine. You know, even if they hit the uh, even if they hit the system, it doesn't matter. But uh, that's why the the wire concept is is uh, is is a play on trying to get the system to to give you additional protection. So, but it's a uh, you know it, again, it's up to the GM to make that decision whether he wants to fully enable. You know, to treat the system as being very smart about these kinds of things, or just say, okay, it's it's you know, all, you know, no, 
no harm, no foul. You know, someone shoots you and you you, t- you actually take no damage. You know, uh, then fine. You know, but unfortunately, in the in the system itself, you know, other than what we've you know spoken to Richard about, uh, the only example we have is where someone actually shot the uh, system and the system attacked them. You know, and that you know, and that was using a gun. So they didn't go over and whack it with a sword or anything else like that. They just shot a gun at a at a, at a, at a ring, and it's basically reciprocated. And, and we also know, of course, that if a Meller even exists on the platform, it automatically will start hosing that Meller down. So, Right, if they're not disguised and all that with the crystal key. Disguised and doesn't carry, have a key on them or in them, yeah. Right. So the system, you know, it, it, is it doesn't limit that protect that that offensive act activity only to people coming through. So you you know we mentioned nets. Okay, one of the ways of protecting you know def- defending against people throwing things through the portal is putting nets again around the portal. It won't stop the napalm, the flaming napalm, from coming through, uh, but it will stop uh, you know larger bombs. Uh, it will stop vehicles. T- even tanks can be stopped, especially if you uh, attach them to ramps and things like that. Because tanks, even though they're they're very heavy and they have to have really heavy en- big engines to move them, but tanks don't have, as far as I know, that much forward. Uh, they have a lot of momentum, but they don't have that much ho- horsepower, effective horsepower over what it takes to move them. You know, I'm saying from a stand standing still. I don't know whether a tank could just push down a, 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 a building. These are the times we wish we had Blix here. <laughs> Blix, and also some of the other people like Tom Trotter and the old, uh, you know, the, the old uh, uh, crews from uh, TriTac. Well, Blix specifically, because if, if all of you remember when Blix is on the podcast, he designs military vehicles for a living. If anyone would know about, you know, the, the forward thrust of a tank or military. It would be him. The effective forward for us. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Right, exactly. He would know, I think, better than anybody. It just, yeah. And so what happened was is that they were throwing, you know, they wanted to get that napalm a, a long distance. So they had all these catapults throwing napalm bags through onto the, the platform. And what was happening was it was getting caught, falling down, and landing. Uh, and those nets, by the way, were made out of tamelon plastic. Yeah, I was going to say, a normal net with, like, ropes, no. A tank would snap through that. You'd have to have some type of high-tech net and cables or chains in order to pull this off. So they, they, they lasted a while when that napalm went off. You know, they basically, they, they, uh, it was burning. It didn't, like, immediately disintegrate. It took a little while for that plastic to, you know, to disintegrate. Uh, and, and that gave them time to respond by saying, oh, fine, you know, you're throwing napalm at us, have some back at you. And also, in a couple of cases, those napalm bounced back because they were, like, lobbing them. So they were had a trajectory, and they basically came up, hit down, and splashed back through the portal and lit on the other side. And they just added more by spraying it through at that point. They had they were about fifty feet away, and they just had high pressure hoses, and they just were hosing lit napalm through those portals. It was something to behold. Uh, but like I said, that's where having those uh, concrete uh, uh, divider things, you know, making a, a, a lagoon around the portal, so that all that stuff didn't end up because it, the port the platform is entirely flat. So therefore, anything that you do, it, you know, it's going to just slide out in all directions, but based on its own viscosity. So you know, there, uh, so that stuff could really go pretty far, you know. But fortunately, it, it burns fast, so it's so hot. Uh, therefore, you know, it, it didn't last long after they shut it off. But uh, so that was. We, we had a, an interesting back and forth on that. And like I said, uh, because they weren't expecting to, re, to be reciprocated using flammable material like napalm, their entire staging on the other side, which was way too close to the portal, was effectively destroyed. They, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and that really kind of put a hamper, you know, 
<laughs> in their in their plans, you know. So, but once they got onto the portal, uh, then uh, but here, but let's talk about some other ideas you were talking about, uh, Jonathan. You suggested using things like uh, uh, using things like poison gas or sleep gas or something like that, or even smoke, because you know, making if you can't be seen, it's really hard to be fired upon, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What? Unless, unless I got some high tech thermals, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, even that's not going to work. But you get on the, once you get on the fringe gas, because right, right, you right. Have no electricity. Yeah, that that, right. that 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 only helps you on world. Right. Right. Okay. So you, so you're throwing this stuff onto the onto the platform, right? Okay. So uh, what's what? How do you want to do that? What's the effective way of doing that? The first thing that comes to my mind are those. Uh, Water balloon slingshots. Okay. You have two people holding basically a large rubber cable with a little pouch in the middle, and you have a third person put the package in and. Boop. Okay, where are you firing them? I would aim down. What's your talk? Okay, you're gonna aim down. Like, well, you want it to land on or just off the ramp if you're firing onto the platforms. Okay. Trap. Do you see any problem with that? Uh, no, not really. Trav, which direction does the air blow on the fringe on the platform? Oh God, I'm trying to remember. I want to say it like it's up through the portal and around. It's like sort of a circular kind of pattern. It's not like across from left to right or. No. Oh God, this was ages yeah. ago that we talked about this. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh wow. Did, uh, is that enough of a clue for you, Jonathan? Yeah, it goes straight up. No, the other way. It goes straight down. I thought the... What? No, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, yeah. All right, remember, at the edge of the platform is a, a gravity shear, right? Right. Okay, right. Yeah. so that... All right, and, uh, and so that means that uh, air, uh, uh, air is going to be uh, essentially is going to flow upwards very easily. Okay, when it flows into, since it's it's you know chaos theory, when it flows back onto the platform inside the gravity shear, it's going to immediately be because of gravity, it's going to be pulled down. That's going to create a circular current inward. Toward the inwards, you know, toward the uh, of the platform, and that's going to cause air to naturally flow downward to the top of the platform, and then out to the edges, and then back up. All right. So that means that you want to aim, if you're going to use gas attacks or things like that, you want to aim for the center of the platform because a it will keep it from just immediately being blown off the platform and therefore being very little effective. And secondly, the airflow will carry it across the entire platform, making it more effective in the case of like a nerve gas attack or something. So basically, right. okay, yeah. okay let, let, let's do, and, and everyone here knows that I'm ignorant of the savage world's rules. All right. Bruce knows them better than I do. I concede this. Let's say I'm doing D20 and I throw that gas grenade there in the center of the platform. So is it going to just spread? It's going to go up or is it going to go out like maybe double, you could say like double the radius of the gas cloud? If it's designed to only do 60 feet, then, you know, if it says that it does it over, you know, it, uh, if it's burn, you know, if it does it over like, you know, a two or three round period, I mean, it's not. It's going to burn as long as, fa as long, fast as it normally burns. Okay, so in the case of a, uh, of, it's it's going to spread out, but it's going to be thinner because the air itself is going to be helping to propagate it in all directions. You know, probably faster than it's being produced, unless of course you built your gas grenades with the idea that this is going you're going to use it in this way, so they produce a lot more volume, a lot a lot faster or whatever, or if it's explosive, it, you know. So the point is is that you want something that's going to be delivering it as quickly as the air would blow it away from the center so that you you don't 
lose your titer. You don't lose the concentration you need for it to be effective, either as smoke or as gas or whatever. Okay, so it's not going to, I, I, I don't get to do the caveat of, okay, you're on the fringe platform and you fire a, a tear gas grenade. Well, because of how the airflow is, you get double radius. So instead of, you know, a 15-foot radius, which would be 30-foot diameter, it's now 60 feet. And so I, that, it doesn't work like that. There's no enhancement. Yeah, because I don't... Yeah, that's exactly what it would do. And you'd say, but because because it, if it's a normal grenade, you'd say, and everybody gets like a plus two on their rolls to... Uh, you know, to avoid it or to resist it because it's diluted. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. So, so more radius but less potency. Bingo. Right. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Now we're and like I said, if you throw it too close to you, then it may not even it, it may not even reach them. It basically just blows away <laughs> toward or toward you, which you know, friendly fire kind of situation. Which, right. as we all yeah, know, folks, you, friendly yeah. fire isn't. Right. Never. So ever. if you th if you say this thing's only going to go out 30, 40 feet, and it's such, you just see it rolling towards you because of the way the air flows on the pathway on on the fringe fringe portal, uh, fringe platform. Yeah. So yeah. So you, so you don't want to fire it down. You want to you know lob it up and have it land in the middle if you can if you can do that. Okay. But how how fast is that airflow? It's it's a breeze. It's it's a it's a light breeze. It might be like yeah, okay, I think so we figured like two three miles an hour at the most. Yeah, it's it's like what you'd expect out of like your air conditioning. Yeah. Okay. So you could so most so for honestly so for most gas grenades you probably wouldn't even have to take that into account. It would just if if that would be if you're doing something that burns for a long time or spreads for a long time. But yeah, most of the time we don't take slight breezes into account when we're dealing with like gas attacks well, i don't know believe me it makes a big difference in a warfare situation it does but it depends on the system That's yeah, i want the wind behind me when people are firing tear gas at in front of me <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah anyways it's something you have to keep in mind because it's, it is going to have effect if you have like grenades that fire on a time basis you could actually fire them up in the air have them explode and have it continue to flow down as the air flows down. But that's a little harder to do. So it's it's probably easier just, you know, and, and as far as a defense against it, if you know your your opponents have like really good accuracy, you can put a you can put a, a trampoline in the center of, of the platform <laughs> and maybe they'll bounce, you know. Okay, you know who and 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 Bruce I'm sure would agree with me on this. Do you know the people who would know these type of damn tactics and use them? Fringe pirates. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, anybody who's who lives and wars on the fringe bass. Exact. Yeah, exactly. They know how the the wires work and how the transit defense system works and the airflow. I mean, if a if a fringe worthy GM truly wanted to be a phallus, they could, you know, really just, with tactics, really put, like, beginning, let's say, early era explorers, they could really put them to the ropes and just, it'd be like, okay, yeah, these guys, you know, the, the airflow's weird here, we got hit with a grenade, and... You know, we tried shooting him, and we almost got fried. You know, we had to put one guy in the hospital and all this. What is it with this portal system that they know that we don't? And I, I just see a really devious GM playing early campaign. Because usually by the middle late campaign, I'll, I'll use the, 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 the youngins term, fringe pirates are played out. You're going at, you're using bigger threats like the Mellor and then later on the Coptics. You really are not going to have fringe pirates in a, I mean, you could. More than likely, more than likely by like middle campaign or later, yeah, they're going to be more of an annoyance. Yeah, it, it, the fringe pirates are just going to be like, okay, these guys have been here long enough, they know our tactics. 
but in an early era fringe-worthy campaign, like the first five years after fringe discovery, if you're using this stuff, you could wipe out a low-level party easily. If you really played it and used all, and, and, and we have more to discuss here. So as you all listening are sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, Bruce has said this and this and so far, and then we bring out the rest of this list, there's going to be some shuddering as y'all are listening to this. So, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I see the Fringe Pirates, a good GM, really just putting player characters to the task. Using the tactics of the fringe paths, yeah. But in defense of those GMs, okay, is that a lot of these secrets of the fringe paths are just that. I mean, someone had to figure it out. And until someone figures it out, they don't know about it. You know, most people don't engage in warfare on the fringe paths, so it makes sense that the people who do would be using these tactics and then the players seeing them used against them would then be able to add that to their repertoire. Right, and that's what I'm saying. But but if you really plan it, you have to add if the player characters survive. I mean, you could sit there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, a really devious GM, uh, what, what are those three letters that all players hate and all GMs secretly inwardly like? TPK. Yes. <laughs> oh no, I hate TPK because then I gotta. Hey, first of all, there's the wine. You gotta, you gotta have more. Yeah, you gotta sit there and go through the character. First, there's the whining, and then there's <laughs> the two, there's the two sessions of new character, you know, development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, and then you've got all the time for the team to actually integrate in, in at least a vestigial fashion to figure out some kind of tactics together. So you basically, if you waste a month. Of gaming with a TPK. Yeah, so a TPK. <laughs> so, folks, I'm gonna we're going to tell you this now. As much as you think that we GMs, you know, we try to get a TPK and, oh, yeah, we're just looking for them to make a mistake and wipe them all up. No, it's a lot more damn work for us. <laughs> so, in the end, oh, we yeah. really don't like TPKs. It's more, it's. Yeah, listening to that whining is real work. <laughs> See, I didn't want to go there and say that players are whining. God. No, just but I'm I'm realizing that a truly tactically minded GM could really throw the players for a loop in like an early era campaign with French pirates using all this. Just, I mean, that's a hint for you GMs that are doing the early era fringe worthy campaigns. You can use the fringe paths as a tool to help. Uh, let's see, for the French Pirates, get their point across, like, you newbies, get out of here. Yeah. So you can, like, blow gas through a portal, but I'm saying it's not going to be effective because the portals are on the far, they're not on the edge-edge of the of the platforms, but they're pretty far out there. So, therefore, gas attacks that are delivered by just spraying gas are not going to be very it's effective at all. Yeah. No, no, you got to do, like, some type of gas grenade and right. let it tink and, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, and uh, and following that up, uh, how about glue attacks? Okay, can you know? Can you actually glue somebody down to the platform? Will the is will the platform actually bond with the glue in like a you know a sticky glue type weapon, or is it just only going to be? It, it, it'll be like the platform's made out of that stuff that they use so they can like throw paint at tennis shoes and it rolls right off and it'll stick to the the the, the characters but it won't yeah i think that's the way i've understood it the, the platform itself is you cannot glue to the platform because it is filtering that air that's coming through if i'm not mistaken it is porous so you would think that would make it a, a good um adhesive or it make it prone to adhesive but there's also air constantly through those pores the air is coming up through the portal into the air it's coming from the platform into the air the filtration system which which would make me think that glues won't stay stuck because that air is going to push that glue off and the material itself is not particularly adhesive i think the material itself is incredibly smooth it's the fact that it is porous that allows to have traction. Ah, uh, uh, see, see, I think we we kind of determined a long time ago, back in the Ryer era when he was around, that 
the fringe platforms are kind of dimpled. It sort of almost has like a golf. I mean, it may look smooth, but it's sort of, if you look really, really close, it's sort of dimpled like a golf ball in a way. So it has like nooks and crannies. And with the air filtering through, I don't think it would enough to be like blow the adhesive off. I could easily see that. Um, but... So, okay, well, Jonathan, we'll compromise. And again, I'm using D20 rules is what I'm familiar with. The, the, the thing is, I still think glue would be effective. It just wouldn't be gluing someone to the platform. It would be gluing them to their buddy or gluing them to their vehicle. Or, or we, let, let's compromise here. Let's say that, and I'm using like the entangled rules or whatever from Pathfinder, OGL, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're only entangled to the platform for half as long. Let's say, oh, you're entangled. Yeah, yeah. You can't move for 1d6 rounds. No, it'd be 1d3 rounds because of the fact that you do have that light airflow coming up and it's going to dissipate. It's going to weaken the bond between adhesive and platform. So. so we'll say half the time you're entangled. You're able to break through because you got that light breeze blowing up you know, dissipating and separating the adhesive. I mean, I can see that being used as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. I okay. I think I think I think it's it it comes down to the fact that we know that there is nothing on those portals, and you know we know fringe pirates have been coming through. So somebody somewhere would have thought of gluing something to a portal at some point, but yet we never see any sign of that, which makes me think that anything that is adhered, it gets removed. Fairly quickly. Well, I think we've also said that if back in the day that if you were to come back, let's say, a month after to the same portal, it's totally clean. There are systems yeah. that when, you know, the, ter- the, the, the the fringe path system has this thing, it's just self-maintenance. Oh, there's right. blood on this portal. This guy bled all over, and we come back two weeks later, and it's totally pristine. If no one's been on that platform, then just the, the, the platform take care takes care of itself. Right. And, we, and that's the suspicion is that some of the fringe weather is just a cleaning system. If I'm not Ooh, mistaken. I like that concept. Of course, then, you, you know, with the rain of frogs, it kind of, you know, throws it off the window. Yeah, that's the one that's right. Oh, what's that? Yeah, concept? see, yeah. Or, or the psionic glop that when it hits you, you get psi powers. Or just the glop that does nothing. And we've even well, tried maybe tasting it. It tastes the... horrible. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's cleaning the platform's psychic aura. That's what it's doing. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, because there, there's the psychic storms that come through. <laughs> or, or maybe the weather system's just broken, like so many other things. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, it, it, it's another effect of the Melor logic bomb, then I would assume that the fringe weather is in a... Not a tragic side effect, sometimes it's comedic but just a side effect of that whole logic bomb because it not only messed up with the portals, it messed up with the various um, interstices of platform pathway. Excuse me. So, yeah, you would have... I mean, it could have been... Well, because it still has the cleanup because we've always said that, yeah, you might come come back like a week later and, yeah, there was a gun battle there, and there's no corpses, there's no blood. It looks like nothing ever happened here. It might take a couple weeks, but the fringe system just did that. We could say that the fringe weather, it is an altered part of the cleaning system. That particular subroutine yeah. became the fringe weather that we all know. Normally it just cleans at this rate, but for some reason in this little area, it cleans at 5,000%. Yeah, and just happens to endow anybody in the area at the time with a <laughs> random psychic power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're gonna get rid of that blood, but you now also pyrokinesis. Have a nice day. Yeah, Ugh, ooh. <laughs> just oh, operating oh, a oh. system is operating at a hundred percent efficiency. Yeah, right. Oh, ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got got the got the blood off the 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 pathway, and you know, <laughs> and got rid of that guy's childhood traumas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> or or gave them some, gave more. Yeah, your place of childhood. It corrected his behavior. 
That is what the program does. It corrected his behavior. We do know that suction works on the fringe surface, on the top of the fringe pass. Uh, but it doesn't last forever because air is coming up through it very slowly. You know, they said if you put a, a glass with water in it, turn it upside down, you know, so that it's like you can, you can basically see the bubbles forming on the surface of the fringe path and bubbling up into the glass. It just slowly. It's just, a, it's just like a slow beating effect that you see happen. And then it would actually push all the water out of the glass, you know, leaving you with an empty glass sitting there on the fringe path. <laughs> so, uh, so you, so likewise, you can put, things can be adhered to the fringe path using suction. But unless you have an active mechanism for keeping the su suction active, like uh, something that runs the pump that, that you know is attached to a spring, you know some kind of mechanical powered battery uh, of that kind, uh, it will eventually lose its suction, and then at which point it could get knocked over or pulled free or whatever, whatever forces that might come against it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be able to hold against it. But it can run for quite a while. I mean, if you're in a combat situation where seconds count and you need to put something, adhere something to the ground really hard, uh, you can do it uh, with suction. So that's, that, that is a possibility. Yeah, Furball's in the chat room, in the, in the Podbean chat room. She replied with, ew, glue, and then replied with slime. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, that fur, honey, that, that's something I'm going to have to talk to you about in, on fringe, in Fringeworthy is the concept of fringe weather and the various things that can happen. But, yeah, we, we did discuss back in the day. I, I didn't see when Fur got in the chat room. But, um, yeah, the whole thing with how the surface of the platform is, that it's, it is, it's micro, it's near microscopic, but it's dimpled like a golf ball. So to the eye, yes, perfectly smooth. But between that dimpled surface and the light airflow coming up through the platform, I don't know, Bruce, could we consider that that dimpling? It's not dimpled, but okay, what, what are you trying to ask? That it could almost be like, near-microscopic mesh grating, hence allowing the airflow? It's an active matrix, okay? We know that if you're traveling at high speeds, okay, the the underneath your vehicle wheels, it turns into like a herringbone pattern that allows you to either accelerate faster or slow down quicker. But when you stopped, it looks perfectly smooth. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I remember that with the pathways, yeah. So it reacts to you. Yeah, it, you have no trouble, I mean, walking around, you have no trouble keeping your footing as long as there isn't a liquid on the surface, okay? It's not slippery in any way. It's not like you're walking across a polished floor or, it, you know, it has, it's, it's like a really light grit to it, you know, but it, but like I said, but if you, if you test it for like putting down something, it, you know, there's no... It's, it's a, you can make a perfectly smooth seal with like a glass or something like that, just setting it down. So there, there it isn't like there's. If you look at it, you don't see like I say a a, a golf ball or hair, you know, or a grit look to it. It just reacts to what people are doing. It aids the traveler. Again, the system is smart. It tries to help the traveler. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, in a sense, it's a mesh because it's just it's constantly forming and reforming, and it allows the air to go through. So it would be like a, a near microscopic grating where air passes freely. Okay, all right. Just... Yeah, it, I mean, unless it sucks air in through the bottom side, so-called bottom side, and it uh, uh, and it pushes it out on the top side. Okay, yeah, you know, so. And, and that combined with the airflow down because of the circular action of air and, and the uh, gravity shear at the edge of the platform, you have this, co this constant light breeze coming down from above you and then hitting the platform and then going out to the edges and, and going back up again uh, in the zero gravity area. Okay, yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. 
is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.